Hello and welcome to the Me and My Golf podcast. We're your hosts and PGA golf coaches, Piers Ward and Andy Proudman. Each week we're going to share with you our 20 plus years of coaching experience to bring you top tips, the latest information and trends, along with some of the world's best in the golf industry to help you play the best golf of your life. So what are we waiting for? Let's get to it and help you take charge of your game. Hello everybody and welcome to the Me and My Golf podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. We've had some fantastic feedback from you guys. Thank you so much for leaving the reviews and letting us know what you like about the podcast. Now, unfortunately, it's just myself and Piers today. It's lonely, just the two of us. It is, isn't it? We've had a lot of special guests on, which has been fantastic because we've covered a lot of different topics. Um, But first of all, we'd love to get your feedback. Who would you like us to get on the podcast next? What sort of topics would you like us to to talk about? If you can head over to iTunes and leave us a review, that'd be fantastic. But also, if you're listening to this, um, if you're in the car, if you're in the gym, then just screenshot this and tag us in on social and we will get back to every single person. Uh, leave us your feedback as well. Send us a message, what you thought the podcast was like, and also what is you, what you want us to talk about next. And make sure when you go there, you think five stars, five stars. <laughs> or one if you don't like it. It's no, 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 no. <laughs> okay, right, so uh, March we're talking all about, we, we're theming all the months at Me and My Golf, so we can really create a lot of different content throughout the year to help you guys. And this month is all about through the bag. So looking at what we're using in terms of the golf clubs and how we use them around the golf course. So we thought, well, why not talk about today what clubs you have in the bag? Because, Pierce, when we're on the, the lesson tee and, and guys are turning up to us, often when we look in the bag, they've got 14 clubs, <laughs> but they haven't necessarily got a, a good 14 clubs. They're not necessarily making use of each and every club. So when they are getting out on the golf course, their equipment is letting them down because they really haven't got the tools to cope with lots of different situations and this is something that we just see every week isn't it yeah gaps basically so they have gaps in their set whether it be through wedges through the 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 link between the long irons and the fairway metals so it's really important that you know what look we always say make sure each club has a specific job and it's not doing the same job as another club in the bag because that's just you know we're limited to 14 unless it's me and you we normally have about (laughs) 20 in in our bags but you know, if you're playing competitive golf or just adhering to the rules of golf, you need to make sure that you have 14 clubs in there. So make sure you are not wasting one of those clubs in that set. Exactly. So what we thought we'd do is really just go through uh, the whole bag and talk a little bit about each club and sort of what type of golfer would carry different types of clubs based on their technique, their golf course, and just have a general discussion. We haven't prepped this. We haven't really discussed it, me and Pierce. We said, look, let's just talk about the whole bag and have a conversation about it. I think that is a great, this is a, a great way for us to do this podcast today as well because I have no idea what you're going to say. And, I, and there may be a little bit of toing and froing going on this because of obviously, you know, there's things that we want to say which may be different but are based on the same subject as well in there. So it'll be interesting to see how this pans out. And hopefully you guys from this, you might have a few more ideas of maybe what you're missing in your bag or what you might need to change to get the most out of it. So uh, I guarantee everyone months. listening to this is going to have to look at their clubs after this and yes. they're, going to, they're going to come out with at least one change in I their set. I'm thinking of them already. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, let's start with the driver. I think it's a good, good place to start with. And really, I think, what's important with the driver, Pierce? Because let's talk about this first. When people come and see us for lessons, the most important thing they come to us and say is, I want to be more consistent. I want to hit the golf ball on the fairway. Now, when they go for a fitting with the driver, they're going, 
I want you to get me to hit this as far as possible. <laughs> the mixed message. So it's so from from a fitting side of things, what they want out of the driver is the longest possible thing. You know, they, obviously they want to be consistent, but they're they're going okay. I want to hit this as ball as long as possible. Mm -hmm. It's almost like an ego thing. But when they come and see us, they say, well, I just want to be more consistent. I'd love to hit more fairways and keep it in play. So I think when it comes to, to choosing a certain driver pace, it's so important that we can get the specific things that are going to suit our game. But yes. also, for me, I know I've had a, a driver fitting recently, and I wanted to hit the golf ball as long as I could. Because power is so important now. If I'm a little bit further down the fairway, or even if I'm in the rough, if I'm further down now, I'm closer to the green. If I'm closer to the green, I've got more chance of, of knocking it close. The one thing I'll just say quickly on the, on the whole fitting and distance thing is, I think the one real big reason for this is, I've been thinking about this recently, that when you go for a fitting, you're presented with a TrackMan or another sort of launch monitor, which has all these numbers based on optimizing distance, hitting the ball, for, you know what the yard is, you know what the carry is, we know what launch and spin does. There's no real, parameters when someone's doing a fitting about accuracy. No. Now for us, when we're using TrackMan for coaching, yes, of course, we can work out those parameters for accuracy, but it's very rare that I'm sure you go into a fitting session and say, well, the spin axis on this shot was, you know, only two degrees as opposed yeah. to 10 degrees. You know, so these sort of things don't really happen in a fitting and maybe they should, but as a fitter, it's probably easier to sell than the driver if you're saying suddenly, well, this driver's 20 yards longer than your last driver. Yeah. And guess what? You're still going to be inconsistent, but you're going to be 20 yards further. So. Yeah. So when you, when you go for a driver, the things that I would say that I look for when going for the driver, first of all, I want to hit it as far as I possibly can. But I want to hit as far as I possibly can without sacrificing hitting fairways. So it's no good for me if I can hit this golf ball miles, but I just can't keep it on the planet. Mm -hmm. So it's like, well, there's a certain level of Okay, well, look, I've still got to be able to play with it. And this is where now the adjustability in these drivers is so important because I can, you can move around the weights now to guard against your bad shots. So my recent driver that I had, I had the toe, sorry, the weight fitted all the way into the toe, which helped me to tee the golf ball up a little higher, move the golf ball further forward in the stance. And because the weight was in the toe, it slows the toe down and stops me actually um, hitting the golf ball a little bit further left, but it enabled me to hit the golf ball on the way up, which would give me um, a higher launch, lower spin, because I went to a lower loft. So I'm sort of, I'm using the, the technology to not only get the most out of it, to also improve my technique, and also keep it in place. Yeah. So it's, it's crazy now, the technology piece that is available, how, and people say, oh, you know, how, how, be how much better are the latest models, but the latest models, you know they're constantly upgrading each time and it's amazing if they get two percent better then yeah that's it's good. a big difference of course it is, of course it is. and i know for me having that fitting and just playing around with a couple of different things makes a huge difference mm -hmm. and it will do i know over the course of a round just just to make sure we're clear on that so basically what andy's saying is when you put the ball further forward in the stance the club face will be more closed potentially when you're striking the golf ball because you're hitting it later in the arc so by moving that weight into the toe, it slows the toe down, as Andy said there. So it gives him the freedom to go, well, I can hit up on this golf ball and it not go left. Yeah. So now suddenly, and this comes to a point that I've got, is that, you know, if you can get a driver which only can miss on one side of the fairway, I think that's really a good thing. So if you've got a driver that can miss left and right, then you're in trouble. But if you can have a fitting or you can work out with the adjustable weights or however you do it, the tee height, whatever you do, if you can figure out how to miss one side of the fairway, I think that is a huge, huge yeah. benefit for you as a golfer. Yeah. Because you can, you can combat against a, a fade or a, or a draw. 
or a slight sword hook. You can combat against those if you know that's the only bad shot that you're going to do. Yeah, you can just allow for it, can't you? So I think, I think certainly things to bear in mind with the driver. Have you got something that's going to give you the maximum distance? Are you, uh, are you maxing out on what you've got in the bag? Because that is really important. But certainly as well, have you got something that's allowing you to take out one of those sides of the golf course? You know, that, as Pierce mm -hmm. just mentioned there, that's really important. And just making sure that you've got the right shaft flex and the right shaft feel, making sure that you're comfortable in terms of what you'd like to feel in the golf swing. A lot of people ask Pierce, you know, how important is shaft flex? Yes, it's important, but it's definitely a lot of individual preference, isn't it? You like to have a really stiff shaft. Mm -hmm. I like to have a little bit more give in mind, but that's just based on our, our feels. So that's really important when you're thinking about getting a driver as well. But certainly, if you've never been for a fitting, make sure you go for a fitting and see if you can actually get more out of it. And I'd certainly say the majority of guys listening to this, they could probably gain a few more yards and get a little bit more accuracy out of their drivers. Yeah, I, and okay, yeah, I'm happy with all of that. <laughs> okay. Is that what you've got? That's, that's all I've got. That's all you've got, that's all you've got. So yeah, okay, so here's, I suppose, of course I've mentioned about the fact, make sure you've, you can eliminate one side or one miss. You know, understanding how to get distance out is good, but this is my, now it's a tricky one this one because there is a cost to this, but I would say if you're not using an adjustable driver, I believe that you are missing out because you have the ability to change your game and not have to buy another driver. So you could spend, you could spend $300, $400 on a driver, do some work at your golf game, and then suddenly that driver could become obsolete. Whereas, okay, I know that these adjustable drivers are more expensive, but if you were to buy one of these adjustable drivers, you can then get fit for your current game, and then if you work at your game and change your, your patterns, your techniques, your style, however it works, you then can change the driver to allow for that and adapt to that. And also, your thought process as well. So this is, this is my experience of the adjustable driver. So two years ago, two years ago? I'm trying to think now, M3, M3. So last year, actually, no, this time is flying, Andy, M1. So when I had M1 fitting, the whole set, uh, the whole fitting experience for me then with Tom Davis actually was purely about hitting fairways. It was not about hitting distance, it was about hitting fairways because I wasn't hitting many fairways. So we designed that golf club to eliminate the right shot, so missing it right, and also to hit the fairways more. So we changed the weights, we put, we put two weights in the back of the club to make more spin on it, we changed the loft sleeve to add a little bit more loft and actually make it more upright, which made it have less chance of going to the right. So you haven't got to worry too much about those things, but I basically designed that golf club around hitting it straight. And I drove fantastic, probably the best I've driven for 10 years. Um, and maybe I'm thinking I should be going back to it. But the last couple of fittings I've had, I've gone more towards the distance side again as well. So again, you know, the, the way that the golf club is set up is now quite different to how it was set up before. But here's the good thing. If you were really clever with this, you could actually, now you, we know you can't change the settings during a round, but if you were playing a different golf course, let's say that you were going to, I don't know, let's say, let's say you go into a wide open golf course where you can stand there and you can hit it hard and, and distance is important. You can go with the, the, the power setting in your driver. But then if you're going to a golf course which is really tight, maybe not so long, then guess what? You can just go straight into that other setting. And I think so that ability to adjust and also allow, to so adjust for distance or accuracy and also combat swing changes, I think is crucial. And yeah. I know it's expensive, but please, actually, I think you're probably saving money. By yeah. doing that. And I think for the majority of people who listen to this podcast, they're probably working at their games as well. And if you are working at your games, you know, it's inevitable you're going to see some changes. So 
having that adjustability just helps you um, to be able to sort of change as you get better as well. So certainly, certainly worth thinking about if you don't use one of those. Um, okay, and I think you've kind of covered most of what I had there as well, but also loft. I think loft can be confusing sometimes. So a lot of people would say the lower the loft, the more distance that you get. That is not always the case. So for you, Andy, you've gone lower loft, and it has made a difference for you. But if we think about, uh, let's, say, let's say a 15 handicapper. So a 15 handicapper who's got a 10.5 driver and is thinking, right, I'd like to go for a nine degree driver because I think I can hit the ball five to 10 yards further. Well, that is not always the case. So make sure that you don't think that that is what's gonna happen when you have a low loft. Often when you have a low loft, you can hit the ball less distance and be more crooked. So I would say, make sure you have that fitting. You go on a launch monitor and you optimize that launch and that spin and the loft obviously is a big part of that. Definitely. Okay. Okay, should we talk about fairway metal? Because fairway metal. I think this is a this is a really I think this is a really key <laughs> thing to talk about with um, the general golf appearance because I have four. I'm going to tell you now. I have four real important things to say okay, about you, fairways. I'll let you start then. You let, no, I don't want to jump the. No, you start. Jump. Oh, look you at start. that. I'm in. I'm in. I'm in. All right. Okay. So look, the first one is. <laughs> this is gonna this is gonna upset some club manufacturers. Do you need one? is the first thing that I would say. And I think you kind of agree with me a little bit on this, Andy. So what we're saying with this is, there's a, I think there's a debate out there to what is the hardest shot in golf. Is it the 50-yard bunker shot? Is it a flop shot? Or is it a three-wood off the ground? It could be a three-wood off the deck. It's I, think it, I, think it's, it's, I think it's both. I think the 50-yard bunker shot <laughs> and the three-wood win it. They tie. So here's the thing. For, for a three-wood off the deck, in our opinion, in order to get the most out of that golf shot, you need to be able to generate some speed. So unless you're playing on a golf course where a low running ball flight is absolutely fine. But I would say that you need to be able to generate speed. We are, I know you need to be able to generate speed to get to optimize a three wood off the deck. So that's the first thing I would say, do you actually need one? Then when we look at that, then we go, well, okay, yes, you could have a fairway metal, but I actually think an 18 degree is probably around the lowest option you should be looking at. And don't forget, this is hitting fairways off the ground here. So a fairway wood, which is 18 degrees, hitting that off the fairway, I think is going to be a lot easier for people to actually hit. Okay, so that's the, that's the, that's the, that's the first two things for me. I think the, the other thing, Andy, that we talk about with, with golfers when they've got a fairway metal in the hand is, or when they're looking to buy one, what job is it actually doing? So what yeah. job do you want that fairway metal to do? So this is something that, again, me and Andy can actually talk about. It's obviously a time of year just after, you know, I say about three, three, three months ago, we were being fit for these new tailor-made M5 and M6 fairway metals. And we went for a different approach on that. I went for a 14 degree rocket three wood M5 and a 18 degree five fairway metal for, for very different reasons to you, Andy. So my three wood was designed for off the tee. I may hit off the ground, if the lie's good enough or I've got a really long second shot, but I'm, I'm using that golf club to hit off the tee. So I'm yeah. gonna see if I can have a, a, a tee club with a three wood, which is great. The five wood is definitely then for me the higher, softer landing shot, which is required to go a distance. So if I've got that five wood, I need it to go, let's say 260 yards or 250 yards. That's what I want that golf club to do. Now you obviously went for a different three wood, didn't you? Yeah, because I mean, I, off the tee, I actually, really like hitting the driver and I feel that I'm more 
I can hit the driver just as accurate as I can with the three wood. So and a lot of good players think that as well. Yeah. So for 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 me, there was no point in having a three wood that's going to do that, that's going to be a tee club because I'd rather hit the driver out. So mm. I wanted to have something that if I'm if I've got a second shot into a long par five where I need to actually get onto the green and hit it a certain distance with with control as opposed to coming down and going forward, then I wanted to to use a club that's going to give me that sort of distance. So. My goals and, and what I like is basically just obviously making me decide that that's the sort of club that I need. So I'm going with a more a higher lofted yeah. three wood. It's going to spin more. It's going to come down, land softer. It's under a little more control where your three wood's going to come out a little bit more penetrating, less spin. Hopefully, come down a little bit more forward and, and roll out a little bit more. So based on what I like with my driver and Pierce likes off the tee, it's it's just suiting our preferences. And that's another thing when you do go for a fitting, you know, it's based on what you feel and what you like. It's not, everybody's different and the fitter, if you've got a good fitter, he will ask you the right questions to draw out what you like to see and what you like to feel. And from that, he will start to recommend the right things for you. And that's what we decided on our three was Pierce. And you know, I'm happy that I've got something that I can use off the deck but again, the thing is, when I'm going off the deck, I'm going higher loft, and the majority of golfers out there, they've got too low loft, and mm -hmm. they're generating a low speed, which doesn't really enable them to get the ball up in the air as much and get the carry. So you mentioned earlier having a, an 18 degree, and I think if the majority of golfers out there went for a more lofted fairway metal, they'd see some more benefit out, out on the golf course. Yeah, and I think, look, we're going to come to it this in, a fair way. yeah, we had a load of questions. We put a post up on Instagram stories about, you know, questions about, you know, a, a, you know what, how to hit the three wood and that sort of stuff. But, but ultimately, you can have a three wood for off the tee, of course, but be very mindful if you're looking at getting a three wood off the fairway. And I think this is another thing with the adjustability on the three wood that you've got. Again, you have the ability to crank a little bit more loft on that as well. Yeah. So that's, that's good as well because that allows for that softer shot as well. One important thing that we actually, I actually mentioned to Pierce yesterday, and this is an interesting question actually, I'm not sure your guys' thoughts on this, but if the three wood or the fairway metal is such a hard club to, to use, which it is, and the purpose is really for the, for the amateurs out there to get it a distance, to, you know, to hit it down and get it closer to the green. But if over the course of the round they don't, first of all, they don't use it that much. Second of all, they don't hit it that well then for me, I'm thinking, well, is there any actual point in having it in there? Can they get rid of the fairway metal and put in a higher lofted rescue club and use a club that's a little shorter, something they can hit a little bit more consistently? It might not go as far a distance, but you're going to strike it better, which means actually over the course of a round, you're going to use it more and you're probably going to hit it better and further anyway. So, you know, getting rid of that fairway metal might just enable you to use rescue and have some space down the other end of the bag in your wedges because we'll talk about wedges in a bit but wedges are so important that you can obviously cover a, a certain amount of distances so for me there I would certainly question some people even having a fairway would you think right let's make some space for some wedges down the other end because I know down the other end of the bag from 100 yards and in certainly the majority of golfers could get better and for me, more wedges for those guys down there is, is definitely more beneficial. And again, this comes to our open, opening statement that make sure you have no gaps in your set, you have no um, issues with what, you know, what clubs you have in the bag, make sure they're not doing the same job or make sure they're not redundant. So obviously that fairway metal, that three wood, for a lot of people could be redundant. So my last thing on the fairway metal is the, is the misconception of how to hit it. 
So if we think about the driver, we know we should hit up on it. We know about the irons, we know we should hit down on them. But a lot of people will think, well, what do I do with a fairwood? It's a wood, so maybe I should be hitting up on it. Well, guess what? The ground is in the way, so it's very difficult to hit a fairway metal on the up, unless you're on a tee or unless you are on a very good high lie, a lush, maybe a semi-rough lie. So think of it this way. My three woods, I will probably still hit down on it when it's on a tee peg, but there's a, good, there's a chance sometimes if I want to hit a high draw, for instance, that I may tee the ball a little high with that three wood and the hit up on it. But yeah. basically what we're saying is here, make sure you understand that generally speaking, your fairway metals, you need to be hitting down. Definitely allow that club to hit the ground and sort of Brush. use the sole really. Yeah. Sole that club. I think as you just said, that's perfect. That's a perfect way for me, Andy, to, to speak to people is get that sole of the club brushing on the ground when you are having those practice swings. Okay, so I think fairway metal, hopefully I think we've covered that there. Some interesting things. Do you need a higher loft? What do you want to use it for? Do you want to use it off the tee or the fairway? Do you actually even need one? I think that's something that you need to, to actually think about based on how well and how much you use it, really. Right, shall we move to the, the next club in the bag, Pierce? Because two iron and rescue. Okay, Now I'll let you go with that. Two iron, I have a, uh, a P790 two iron, a UDI, which is probably one of my favorite clubs in the bag because if I want to, we mentioned that I didn't want to hit my three wood off the tee, because I feel my driver's more consistent. Well, if I've got a tight par four that's a little shorter that I need to thread down the fairway, well, I need something that's still gonna produce a distance, but feel that I can get some control on it, a little more control than a driver. So the two iron UDI is perfect for me. I've got, I think it's cranked to 19 degrees, a little weaker than it, it comes out. Um, but I feel I can, I can still get that up to there, you know, 260 yards but I can hit it high, I can hit it low, I can draw it, I can fade it, I can do lots of different things. It's great into the wind. Um, I can still get it to stop if I need to on a, on a long second shot on a par five. So having that option for me as a two iron is a really important club. And over the course of a round, if I want to put it in play where I'm not feeling it, where there's maybe some danger off the tee, having a, having a club that I, can, that I can go to as a safety club is really important because golf courses that you play, they've always got these holes that you're thinking, well, that driver's just not the option here. So I need a different club, and if it's not my fairway wood, then I need something that's gonna give me a distance. And mm -hmm. I think two iron for me is perfect. Not necessarily the easiest thing in the bag for the majority of amateurs, but certainly this is where the rescues come into play because the rescues, again, slightly shorter than a, a three wood in terms of length, but more control, easier to use than a, than a two iron, and you've got the, the different style head, easier to get in the air, easier to get more carry. And I think this is certainly something that if the, any listeners to this haven't got a rescue or haven't even tried one, they should try one and think about having something like this for potentially a short par four or the, the, you know, the longer par threes. Mm, absolutely, totally agree with that. So I think, I think my thoughts on, on, on the hybrids and maybe even if we were to say hybrids versus long irons because that's what we're looking to do when we have a hybrid we're we're, we're figuring out we're, we're looking for the gap between the fairway metals and the irons now again when we have golfers who turn up on the practice tee if we were to stand there with the majority of golfers and let's say we put trackman down and we said right i want you to hit five shots with your three iron five shots with your four iron five shots with your five iron we're probably going to find that the carry distance is going to be very similar on all of those, even to the fact where some people will carry their five iron further than they do their four and their yeah. three iron. And this is just down to the speed that you can generate. So if you can generate, you know, 
over 90 miles per hour club head speed with your with your mid irons then guess what you're going to be okay with those long irons but if you're not if you're in the 80s or the 70s when you're hitting those shots you know you really need to be looking at these hybrids because what a hybrid will do it will first of all initially it will launch the golf ball higher it will get the golf ball in the air and keep it in the air for longer and also the ball speed because of the technology that goes in these hybrids the ball speed is going to be faster so if you're looking at a higher launch and you're talking more ball speed and more spin, suddenly you've got a golf club which is doing a the distance that you want it to do. So when you hit your five iron, which goes, let's say, 170 yards, and then you're hitting your four and three irons, which are going 170 yards, guess what? That's when you need to be looking at the hybrid four and the hybrid three, where you can then start going 180 and then 190 on these shots, which is going to give the golfer a lot more versatility going into a green and actually, again, make sure you haven't got redundant clubs which are doing the same. Um, the same job. So I think the one thing for a lot of golfers though Andy is that I know there's a lot of people that we speak to whether it be online or in lessons who talk about hitting a three iron off the tee as their safety club. That's absolutely fine but guess what that can also be the hybrid. Yeah. So you can also get the hybrid and give that a go as well. So yeah, I think three if they're just using a three iron they're potentially missing out on, on yardage. You know if you have got if you do want to use a club that's going to get you in play and, and be safe Make sure you can still get it far because a three iron potentially you're sacrificing some yardage on that, and that's why I've got in that two iron because I could hit three iron, but I know I'd be sacrificing probably 30, 40 yards on mm. my two iron, and that's a that's a massive gain on you know on my next shot. So for people who do, I mean, there's, there's guys who come to us first and say I didn't really hit my driver that well. I hit four iron off the tee today, and I'm thinking, well, you, you're you're giving up yards to the golf course there, and you're making it harder on your on yes. your scores. So. If you, if you do want to use a safety club, get something as long as you can that you can control and feel comfortable with. Yeah. And it goes, it goes again. It goes again to these shots into the greens, the higher, softer landing shots, the longer shots. You know, if you're in a three iron and it's going at 50 feet in height and it's hitting the ground short of the green and then bumbling up and going through the back of the green, that's no way to play golf when you can get a hybrid and pitch it on the green and get exactly. it stopping. So one thing I am going to do, I spoke to Andy about this, is I'd, I would love and... Um, if there's any volunteers out there, I would love to get a, um, some golfers, some amateur golfers and actually get them to hit some long irons, get them to hit some um, hybrids and compare the differences. We did it before, we did it on the 18th tee at the Asprey when we were seeing, again, everything I described about the ball speed, the launch, the, the height that these golf shots were going. You know, you know, if you want a higher, softer landing shot with potentially more carry, then you need to be looking at that hybrid. Definitely. All right, irons. Irons. Okay. What's your list looking like on that? Do you know what? I haven't really noted too much down on irons okay. because I think, you know, coming down from, let's say, 5-iron to 9-iron, I think it's, it's pretty simple. You know, the fitter's going to really look at your game and look at what you want to do. And, I mean, we could go into different head styles and head designs based on that, whether you want to talk about that, which is fine. But I think generally we, we probably agree that most people want a 5-iron to 9-iron. Um, the thing that obviously you're going to be you're going to be looking at is obviously making sure that it's really fitted to you, loft, lie, grip size, shaft, head design based on 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 your game really. So I think it's uh, I mean we can we can go into it if you want to. Yeah, I mean I've, I've got I've got a almost it's not so much it's kind of like what you're saying there, but it's actually more like a a to do list, and then there are a couple of questions that I know that we get asked a little bit. So I, I mean one thing I would say. If you've got a set of golf clubs which is over a season old, please go and get them checked. If you're going to continue to use them, go and get the lofts and lies checked and make sure they're still 
the original lofts and lies for maybe when you were fitted before because you can often be hitting, you know, golfers will say, oh, my seven iron, I just don't hit that well. Well, guess what? You may have bashed it in the boot of the car um, on a tree root or on your playing partner's leg, um, but you may have damaged that club and actually changed the lie angle or changed the loft. So, you know, make sure that you do check that. And then it's always worth making sure that the yardages are good. So make sure you have got a good gapping. So again, I think that's, yeah. sometimes that's a really good way of checking to see whether lofts are good. So go and hit five shots with a five iron, a six iron, a seven iron, eight iron, nine iron, and actually work out your gapping. Again, it requires going and having a fitting. Your local fitter is going to be doing well out of this podcast, but I do think that it's, it's so important that you understand how far the golf shots are going and make a note of it. But make note of the average, not your best. So don't think about that 7-iron that you hit last summer, which was amazing in England, where it went 175 yards, and think that that's how far I hit a 7-iron. Guess what? You probably don't, unfortunately. So make sure you understand what your averages are on those irons and then go from there. Yeah, I think, I think that's probably the most important thing, Chris, there, because when we do get people come to see us for lessons and showing them their carry distance isn't necessarily a good thing. Sometimes we won't show them the carry distance because, first of all, that influences their next shot. Especially with the driver, they start mm -hmm. thinking, well, hang on a minute, I've carried further than that, so I'm not <laughs> carrying my 7 iron 130 yards, when in reality they are, mm. but they're not used to it seeing that. They, they're used to seeing the ball sort of bounce, run on, and, and, and everything else. So they, most golfers think they carry it further than they actually do. And, you know, it's, in, in golf, we have to take the ego out of our game. And, you know, we guess we can think, oh, I can hit my 7 iron 160 yards, but, you know, how often have you done that? So, it, you know, Understanding the real facts and the numbers in your game, you know, put ego aside and get the facts so when you're on the golf course you know exactly how far it's going to go on average and you know, that will 100% allow you to actually hit more greens and score better. So you've just got to put that aside sometimes. Mm -hmm. I, think, I think, again, just, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, it's, 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 it's a massive thing, it's a massive thing. Um, so some of the questions that we will get on this will be, you know, what sort of height should I be hitting my irons? Again, that is all very much depending on the person. So someone who, I always use Justin Rose as an example because he generally likes to hit all of his shots 100 feet in height. Rory McIlroy, his 7 iron, 8 iron will be going probably 120 or 130 yeah. feet in height. But it all depends on what the sort of shot that you like seeing. But it also depends on how optimum that shot is as well. There's no point hitting it 100 feet height if your club head speed is with a 7-iron in the 80s because guess what, that golf ball is not going to get full uh, distance that you can get, it's, it's going too high basically. So I think again this is where, I know it's a very, it's a very cool feature on the track man where you can optimise the shot so you understand how far your 7-iron could be going and I think that will then tell you what the, the height that you need is. Again if you haven't got a track man obviously or you haven't got access to a fitter who's got a track man, just get on the golf course and hit some shots and see what you and be aware of your results. So when one goes really high, does that look better? Does it feel better? Does it work better? Or if it goes a little lower, does that is that better for you? So you can actually strive and work out what you've got to do. And I think you know, that, that's obviously something which is, which is really important. And I think going into a, a question that we get as well is what, why are lofts so low on golf clubs? I know you get this question as well, Andy. So why are lofts so low on golf clubs now? So you're seeing pitching wedges with like 44 and 43 degrees of loft on it. Yeah. I think you've got to ignore what the company manufacturers are saying, what the loft is. Don't think that, oh, well, TaylorMade are making a wedge at 43 degrees or 44 degrees because they just want the ball to go further. Well, they do want the ball to go further, but they still want the, the golf ball to go 
a required distance. So as long as you are understanding that that golf ball, because of the modern day technology, is going to go in the air and have good distance, that is all you, all you really want to be worried about. So just understanding that loft now, don't worry about it, don't get hung up on it, make sure you understand that it's actually just going to be a shot that was going to go pretty decent height, but yeah. good distance because of the tech in the club. Yeah, and one thing you can do, if you are somebody who hits the golf ball extremely high or extremely low, if you do go for a fitting, you can also have these lofts changed. So if you, if you struggle with just getting too much loft and impact, then the fitter can obviously have your clubs de-lofted a couple of degrees, which will just help you. So again, it's getting the most out of it to enable to get slightly more penetrating ball flight if that's what you need, and a little bit more distance as well. So lots of things can be changed to, to suit your game, but I think the technology and the, the, the services that we can get now from these fitters and, and manufacturers are you know they're so helpful. So we have that's to so take good. advantage of that. And if you're not, then you're, you're missing out. Technology is amazing now, and it actually can help you a lot. But uh, yeah, make sure you... you you do something about that. Um, we have a lot more questions on irons, actually, which are, we actually from the Q and A that we threw out onto Instagram stories. So that will be uh, we'll put some of those questions and do some shout outs at the end. More on the irons. Okay. Wedges. Wedges. Right. <laughs> oh, God, this, is, this is this is so important because I'll let you go first on this one. You know, you're going to hit them at a lot of shots from 100 yards in, and it's important to firstly understand your short game and what you like to. to how do you like to play it? Do you like to hit full shots? Do you like to hit field shots? And full or feel, Full or field shots. Full or so, feel. So Pierce is a full guy, and I'm a feel guy. So the fact that Pierce likes to hit full shots means that he hasn't necessarily got as many different options with each club. <laughs> I thought you were going to say, I've got no feel then. <laughs> Maybe you're right. <laughs> well, that was the polite way of saying it, Pierce. <laughs> so he hasn't got as many options to play um, some different shots with these clubs. So in that case, he needs more wedges. So Pierce, you've got 52, 56, and 60. And you've just dropped a 64 in there for potential. My 18th club, my 18th club in the bag is a 64. <laughs> so just in case you need to play it. And I think this is based on just how you like to play. You know, you would rather hit a, a shot that's harder than slightly softer. Yes. You just feel more comfortable doing that. Whereas I would actually like to hit it softer rather than harder. So I've got, a, I like to hit a lot of for instance, let's say my, my 52 degree goes roughly 120, somewhere between 120 and 115. Now if I've got a 100 yard shot, I can get my 58 there, but I would rather not hit my 58 there, I would rather hit, I'd rather take 20 yards off my 52 and hit a much softer, smoother 52. I'm actually doing the motion now, Pierce, can you see? I can see that. Um, that I'm would actually be doing a much softer, 52 degree shot. That's just based on what I like. I don't like to go too hard on that. So my wedges, I have a 58 and a 52, just the two different wedges because I feel like an, I like to play a wide variety of shots. I use my 58 for pitching from anything from 30 yards to let's say 90. I don't like to go much more than 90 with my 58, maybe 95 at a push. Um, and then anything above that really is, is 52. And I like to, you know, to vary those shots around a little bit. So, whereas you, Pierce, talk through how you like to play. Talk through your yardages and your, you, what you hit, your 52, 56 and 60. Before I'm going to do that, I'm going to talk about your yardages. Okay. Because there's no way, and this is purely down to how you feel your wedges, and it's, it, it's totally representative of that. You're saying that your 52 goes between 115 and 120. I'm like, there's no way you hit it 120. You can hit that, that 52 easily up to 130. But 
your mindset of the feel actually probably won't let you yeah. want to do that. So it's amazing, isn't it? So I'm thinking, well, I hit my 52 degree 125, but I can hit 130 if I need yeah. to. I can put the ball back and I can shut the face down a little bit. So I can make that club go 130, but you're never really going to be in that situation where you want to do that, unless it was extreme high tree in front of you and you needed a lot to get over it. Yeah, I think it's the, the 120 is the maximum that I would like to hit it as opposed to the maximum like, that I could of hit course. it. Of course. So it's for me, if I've, got, if I've got 115 yards, I know if I put a nice swing on a 52, it's there. Yes. I know it's there. It, I, I, I'm not having to jump out of my feet to hit it. I just know it's a comfortable, smooth 52 that I can control that distance. And it's so different, isn't it? Because when it comes to the wedges, it's a different game, I'm, you know. Mm -hmm. When I'm hitting a five iron compared to a driver, compared to a wedge, they're different golf swings, they're different speeds, because the actual outcome that I'm looking for is different. With a driver, I'm looking to hit it as far as I can. So it's all about power. And my swing, you'll see, is a lot different. My foot action is even different. Yes. When it goes to my 52 degree, it's all about controlling that distance. I want to hit it to that number every single time. Whereas with a driver, I'm not looking to control it, I'm looking to to really create some power on it. So, and this is where, this is where I think, Pierce, as well, that a lot of amateurs struggle because they don't have the ability to switch from power to feel, from power to control. Mm -hmm. All they know is power. Top pros are the same, obviously, it's, it's, exactly. hard. it's hard. So they don't have the ability to go, look, okay, this is my power game. Now I need to go to a little bit more control. And this is why a lot of people would prefer to have, um, let's say, 120 yards in than 50 because they can hit it hard as yes. opposed to hitting a sort of softer, delicate one that requires some, some touch and yeah. feel. So for me on that side of things, it's, it's definitely a shift in, in mentality and, and sort of thought as well to, to be able to get that control out of my wrist. Yeah. And one, one quick thing I would say on that, and I think that the, the biggest reason, and 100%, the biggest reason why people don't feel comfortable with these, full, these uh, field shots is because it's very hard to practice them. So the key is you look at a driving range, a normal driving range setup, you might be off a mat and you're hitting these 50 yard pitches and you're hitting the ground too far before the ball and the ball's still flying 50 yards from the flag and it's like, ah, oh, it's fine, no problem. But on the golf course, then suddenly you duff it and it doesn't go anywhere. So the, 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 the facilities that you have for these, for hitting 50 yard pitch shots usually aren't that very good. But guess what? You have the best facility out there, the golf course. So figure out when your local golf course is quiet, that's the time to go out there, make sure you get out there and even if you have to pay a green fee for a twilight green fee and you're the last person out and you only play seven holes, but you spend a little bit of time pitching around the greens. Now, of course, I know there's going to be people who own golf clubs or uh, superintendents who are going to be, you can't do that to my golf course. I guess you can. <laughs> no. So the, 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 the key is just be subtle in the way that you do this, that you can learn your wedges distances on the golf course, no problem. I always remember um, Arnold Schwarzenegger's uh, six rules to success. It's, <laughs> it's uh, break the rules, but don't break the law. So you're not breaking the law if you do that, but you're breaking the rules. So Absolutely. Arnold Schwarzenegger says it's okay, it's okay. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> um, so yeah, I think, you know, and again, just, just quickly going onto my, onto my wedge system again there, Andy, you know, I'll feel that my 52 is going to be going around about sort of 125 when I'm hitting that shot. So a 56 for me will be going about 110 and then I'm going around about 95 to more near the hundred actually for the 60 degree. So the 64 degree for me is actually something that I can hit pretty firm, not, not full out. And I don't know whether I ever will, but pretty firm I can hit that club and it's going to be going 60 to 65 yards. Yeah. Now, that's 
someone like Dustin Johnson, we, we saw him using the 64 and we actually watched him using it and he was hitting it really, you know, he was getting loads of control as we know his wedge game is amazing now. But it, it wasn't going super high, so that's what made me think on that. So I'm not saying you should go and try 60, well, sorry, you should use the 64, but maybe worth trying it if you're someone like me who is more of a full player as opposed to a field player. Honestly, I actually want to have a go with that. You know, I'm interested not to see it. what that goes like and just have a go with it. From, but I think for you, it's perfect on <coughs> that 50, 60 yard shot where you can go, yeah. instead of having to just hit that softer one, yeah. you can just hit it hard and it's going to go the number still. And it's great around the greens as well because you can play a normal what looks like a chip and run and it comes out like a flop shot. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's mega on those. I actually did a bit of practice right the other day. So um, I've got a few other things on words. I don't know you've got much in there, Andy, on that. I've got a couple of others. Mm, I've just got bounce angles to talk about. All right, so I'll start on that because that's pretty much what I'm going with here. So the wedge makeup that you have. So there's a few things that you need to look at. First of all, when you're talking about bounce angle, we need to look at, um, we just did a video on this just recently actually, but we're talking about the bounce angle to suit your technique and to suit the course conditions. So we all have varying techniques and we all have varying golf courses that we play at. So for instance, if you play your golf on a Heathland course or a Lynx course, where the ground is quite firm, or even a parkland course in the summer where the ground is firm, you're going to be definitely suited more towards a lower bounce option. So think of this, the harder the ground, the lower the bounce that you should be using on your clubs. So if you have a lot of tight lies around the greens and you want to need a little bit of loft and you feel that you need a 60 degree, look at the lower bounce option. You can get down to four degrees of bounce. Whereas if conversely, if you're having a lot of uh, short shots around the green and the ground is very soft and fluffy and you still want to use the 60 degree, then look towards the eight and nine and even 10 degrees bounce on these 60 degree wedges because that's going to allow you to, the club to interact with the ground better. If the ground is soft and you have no bounce, it's going to dig. If the ground is soft, you need this higher bounce option so it effectively glides through the glass, uh, glass, the grass <laughs> a lot easier. We haven't got glass in the golf course, hopefully. Um, so yeah, just bear that in mind. So again, think firm conditions, low bounce, soft conditions, high bounce. And that applies to bunkers as well. So if you're in a firm bunker, which has a lot of rain, you want to be thinking about your lowest bounce option, but if it's soft and fluffy, he's still laughing at that, Andy, is he loved that glass one. If we're thinking about the soft conditions, you need that higher bounce. Yeah. Then it actually goes into the style, doesn't it, Andy? So do you want to go on to the style of it a little bit? Yeah. So I mean, the style of the swing versus the bounce, should I say? Yeah, so think about this. If you are somebody who, you mean in terms of angle attack? Angle yeah, attack angle, sorry, yeah, yes. steeper. Right. So if you're, if, you're, if you're somebody who's shallow and, and presents um, a attack angle that's shallow to the golf ball, you don't necessarily need much bounce angle because you're not really going to be presenting too much of that leading edge down to the ground. So um, having a shallow angle of attack, you need it more of a low bounce. And somebody with a steeper angle of attack sometimes potentially will expose that leading edge and the, the club is likely to sort of dig into the ground. So having more bounce will reduce that digging action. So, you know, you have to understand about, you know, what sort of style you are based on what sort of bounce that you will need. And, Think about this also is, are you somebody who has the ball back in the stance? If you're somebody who has the ball back in the stance and leaning the shaft forward, then you're taking the bounce off the club. So if you're somebody who does that, well, maybe you want a high bounce as well. But if you're somebody who has the ball sort of more middle to forward in the stance and has the shaft more neutral, well, maybe you need a slightly lower bounce because you're, you're really already exposing that bounce. So that depends on, on your style, your preferences and, and how you're club generally interacts with the ground. If you don't really have much interaction with the ground, then a low bounce is good, but if there's, if there's some, if there's divots flying out everywhere, then maybe you <laughs> want to create a little bit more bounce to reduce that as well. And if a good way to remember that, if you hit off glass, you need a low bounce. <laughs>
<laughs> Lovely. Thank you very much for that. So, okay, that's, and I think bounce angle is something that is very much uh, underrated by people and, and don't really think about that a lot. Mm. So getting that good interaction with the ground, you can really customize that interaction with the ground depending on your golf course and condition and your technique, should I say, to obviously get the right bounce for that. So please make sure that you speak to someone on that. Um, the, the next thing I would say is, and this is something that when we think about a set of golf clubs, Andy, where they have a driver, they have a three wood, they have a five wood, they have a rescue, they have a three iron, they have a four iron, and they're looking in their long clubs and they're very top loaded and they haven't got a lot of variety and, sorry, they haven't got the good gapping and they've got a lot of clubs doing the same job. They then come up to their pitching wedge, which has got 40 feet, 44 degrees of loft on it, and then the next club is a 56 degree. Yeah. So it's got 12 degrees of loft yeah. difference between a 44 and a 56. Now we know generally it's four degrees between clubs. So I think utilizing, I mean, even like, so if you've had a 44 degree wedge, you almost want to be looking towards a 48 to 49 degree loft as your next wedge, yeah. and then you could be going 54, and then you could be going 60. Yeah. So you, I would say that if you're a 44 degree pitching wedge, then you need three more wedges. Yeah. You need to have those three more wedges in there. Yeah. So make sure you understand what, I suppose, what loft your pitching wedge is, but I suppose going back to our original comment, it's like, what distance is our pitching wedge? Yeah. So if our pitching wedge is going 110 yards, well, guess what? Make sure that you've got something that feels pretty good to do a 95-yard shot, and then you've got something that can do an 80-yard shot. Everything's got to be based off that wedge, hasn't it? So it's got to be based off that wedge, whether it's 46 or 44, basically, it just depends on, like you say, Pierce, what distance is that going, and then what are the other gaps going to be that fit around that, really. But yeah, if you have got a, a stronger loft in that, generally you're going to need a few more wedges to, to make up those distances. That's definitely your starting point, that pitching wedge, as we mentioned. Oh, okay, we, can talk, we, can talk, we can talk about that. I can talk about that for another hour, by the way, yes, wedges. Think, uh, it's good stuff. But yeah, I think, you know, you know, it's just an important part, isn't it? I mean, everything that we're discussing here, hopefully you guys are pulling some things from it because they're all important. And we may have covered some things that you might not have thought of, but uh, hopefully from this, you might sort of think about it a little differently and start to, to change a few things that will help you go. Absolutely. So putters then. Um, putters again, I mean, it's so... So again, very important. Uh, style, we can talk about style, length. Obviously, getting the fitting is crucial because it's going to, you know, get your tendencies. We're going to get the right sort of length, the lie, the loft, everything based around you. Um, well, then you've, got, then you've got sort of, I mean, I'm sure we've got questions on this piece as well in mm -hmm. terms of, do we go for a face balance putter? Do we go for a mallet? <laughs> do, we, do we go for a blade? You know, what should we go for? And I think this is down to a combination of feel, but also performance in that fitting because mm. something might perform really good if you have a fitting but yeah. if you hate the look of it and you don't feel comfortable with it then for me I, I, I would I would go away from what the results were saying because if I don't like the look of it and I don't like the feel of it or con I'm not confident with the look then there's, a, there's an element of, of science but there's an element of art yes and I think mm. we, ha we can't take that art away from no. putting because when we get on the green we haven't got any computers analyzing us on the green. We're sort of, we're taking in, we're not in a controlled environment. We've got different things going on with our feet, with our eyes, with the, the environment, with the grass, with the wind. There's so many variables that come into it that feel then is going to predominantly take over. So yes, you can have a fit and, and understand, understand the science of things and your tendencies, which is still important, but you have to blend the two with, well, can I get the performance good? Can I get the, the look and the, the feel of it great so when I'm on the golf course, I can 
feel good and just react and get into the art of things. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I mean, so the, the, I think the objective of a putter, and this is really what you want to be looking at, it has two things to do. Can you get your first putt within three feet as often as possible? And then what do you like at holding the putt from inside 10 feet? So I think if you can, for me, that would be the best way to look at putting. So anything outside 10 feet, can you get it within three feet? Anything inside 10 feet, can you get it in, in the hole as many times as you can? So what's going to allow you to do that? Is it science or is it art? Well, yes, as Andy said, it's a combination of both. But when you're in the heat of battle and you, and you would like to get a not you need, you would like to get a par on the last to shoot your best score, then and you've got an eight-foot putt, you need to be able to rely on the art of putting, not the science of putting. I think the science is good for checking and measuring what you do and then getting you to figure out how to change your stroke. But you need to be able to... The, the stroke, I think, is... Because, it's, because the stroke is a, um, something that's very visual, we can see it and we can video it and we can yeah. recommend changes, the people will actually fall back on that a lot. I actually think that it's a small part of it. It's yeah. probably less than 10% the stroke is really, because ultimately, can you repeat it? That's all that really matters. You can have the face pointing right and then pull it left and it can go in from a, on a four foot putt, which is dead straight. So understanding what your tendencies are and not messing with them is probably a good thing. But then having a putter where it comes to the actual putter then is, well, how can I have a putter which allows for my tendencies? So the, foot, uh, the footer pitting, crikey Andy, what's going on? Totally the putter pissed. fitting that we had at the kingdom with, with Dwayne, um, he actually was talking about, we went in there and you've always been a more of a toe hang putter. I've been face balanced for a long time, but you went to a um, face balanced uh, spider, was it? Was it just a normal spider or was it a spider X? I'm trying to think. Um, what was your putter before the lease? It was we, a normal spider. Normal spider, normal spider. And actually we came out of that fitting, still think, sorry, we went into that fitting thinking that we were still face balanced, but we came out with a slight toe hang because of how we were returning the putter back to the ball. Now again, we're not going to go into the exact details of that because everybody is different in how they do this. But understand that, you know, having a putter fitting is going to be beneficial to you for sure, as long as you don't make sure that science doesn't overtake the art. So a couple of the things that you can look at in your putter, the longer the shaft, generally we see the more of an arc stroke. So look at John Rahm, for instance, he's got a 37 inch putter, which is actually, um, you know, definitely is based on more of an arc stroke. And then I would say, I'm trying to think, someone like Padraig Harrington, uh, definitely about probably about 10 years ago now when he was working with Paul Hurry and it was quite a short putter, about 32 inches. That was definitely designed to be more of a straight uh, line when putting. So if we think about the, the putter length, the, the longer it is, the more arc you are, and the shorter it is, the more straight it is. And then I suppose we go to sight line. Yeah. Do you need one? Well, Jason Day is probably the best putter in the world and doesn't like a sight line. He doesn't like seeing a line on the back of the putter. I think with, I think with golf as well, Pierce, it's, it's, <laughs> it's very hard to say you need anything, isn't Absolutely. it? Because each and every one of you listening to this will all need and want and like and feel different things. Mm -hmm. So this is why there are so many options and so many different ways to, to put, to swing, to choose your putters, to, to have different um, head shapes and there's just no right or wrong way and I think this is ultimately what, what we try and do on this podcast is give people different options that they can look at and, and find what, what works for them because inspire questions exactly and I think the, the key thing you know a sight line it's just personal preference I, I know I used to use a, a line on the ball pierce years ago because I thought well 
this must be the way to do it. Surely if you've got a line on the ball and you can line everything up, it's going to be easier. But I would often line my ball up with the right break, I'd get over the top of the ball <laughs> and look at it and go, that just feels totally wrong. Um, looks so totally wrong or feels. Looks, well, look, looks and feels. It looks, yeah, so results. it just yeah. feels in the wrong place. So then I would question it and have doubt in my mind and do I go with what I chose at the start or do we go with what I feel? And that's not a good way to be over a put. No. So now I like to have nothing on the ball and I, I'm, not, I'm not having these sort of different doubts and questioning my, my read over the put. So again, that's, that's something very similar. How, consist, how consistently, and this is what we did with the, um, the fitting pierce with Wayne, is that are you more consistent aiming the putter in the right direction with a sight line? Or mm. are you more consistent without a sight line? And that was basically, that's something that you need to figure out. And again, are you more consistent with it? But hey, do you like the look of it? Do you like the, do you feel that, that that's going to help you over the ball? Or do you feel that's going to question you over the golf ball? Yes. And the, all these things we need to figure out based on what we like. So um, I hope we're helping you out here. Let's see if we're not going to say this is what you need <laughs> we to We can't do, give you definitive answers on this, so like Andy said, because it is yeah. so personal. We're saying what you, what the things that you should be looking for. But also, I think sometimes it's just nice, Pierce, to go, well, it's okay to just go with what you like and what you feel. You don't have to go with what the best players in the world do because no. they're doing it. Sometimes just go, well, if you like that and you feel that, that's absolutely fine. Don't that be works. scared to just go with what you feel comfortable with. Don't think you need to have what the best player in the golf club has because what the best player in the golf club does works for him and it doesn't mean it's going to work for you. So uh, these are the things that you just need to think about. So be, uh, be confident enough to, to go with what you feel you like. Yeah, I think, I think that going back to the line thing again as well, You've got to, we do some tests with, with people on how they can actually figure out whether they should be using a line on the ball, whether they should be trusting what they see when they're standing over the ball, or whether they should be trusting what they see when they actually line up their putt and they read the putt. So it does depend on the person. Everyone's vision is different. Yeah. There's definitely some, it's interesting here talking about putting, let's talk about one of the best clutch putters I've ever been in Tiger Woods. And I think a, a, a few people out there are questioning maybe the ability of, how your eyes can affect things. So as you get older, your eyes don't get, you know, <laughs> Andy's pulling faces with his right now. They don't look great under yours today. So the, you know, so, so your eyesight is massively important. And as you get older, your eyesight changes. So again, if you're listening to this and going, well, I used to be a really good putter and now I'm not, well, guess what? It could be your eyesight. So maybe even get that checked. So there's lots of different ways that you can look at this. So I, again, who? That's, uh, we may have opened a can of worms there, and, but we're hopefully what we've done is, as we said earlier, is we've inspired some questions on what you can do. Right, okay, Mr. Proudman, um, we've, been, we've been whittling on for nearly 55 minutes now. It's just too long to talk. I know, I, I think they, they, they love They're this still listening, They, they love this, they, of course they are, of course they are. Listening. If you're listening to this, you're listening. So we've got some questions for you. We're going to do some rapid fire questions as much as we can. Um, Andy will take it in turns. You can go with the first one, and we have from the son of Gary. The son of Gary. The son of Gary. Let's go through these fairly fast, then. As quick as we can. Okay. So People the son. The son of Gary is saying, "Is it worth getting fitted for new clubs if you don't swing consistently?" Yes. Good. There we have that as the answer. Um, quick note on that is, yes, if some people feel that they need to wait before they're more consistent, their fitter will help you become more consistent by giving you good exactly. fitting. Exactly. I think that's a key thing. I don't think we need to go, uh, carry on with that. Don't, we're done. Just, we're yes, done. Yes, yes, yes is good. So next question. Daily Land 19. Can different iron models help produce a more penetrative shot or is it all about the swing? Um, yes and yes. It is about the swing, but it is also about your irons. If you wanted to go for a... 
Uh, you can get, again, just go to the websites and have a look. You will find out which ones will hit a lower bore flight. Traditionally, a bladed club will be the lowest, and traditionally, a full cavity back will be the highest bore flight. So, yes. And you can get them de-lofted, remember, if you need to by the fitter. You can indeed. Okay, Andy, question for you. Paul M. Lopez. Graphite shafts seem to be, uh, seem to be in now, even for faster swings. Any major advantages to steel? Uh, I think the, the steel ones are generally uh, a little more consistent. And it, again, it comes down to feel. So me using a graphite shaft, um, it would, with, certainly with an iron anyway, it would feel a little maybe too light and a little too unstable. I like to have my iron shafts pretty firm and um, stiff because I just feel I'm going to get more control with those. So going to a, a lightweight, slightly more flexible shaft, um, personally... You're saying no. No, I'm saying for, yeah, for me. No, I'm saying no for me. Okay. So if somebody who needs the extra speed... What would be the advantages, yes. And the lighter weight, well, that, that's perfect for somebody, you know, for somebody who swings it slower, and who needs the height, needs the speed, needs the, the, the game improvement, then, then definitely it's an advantage. But I'd say for the faster swingers, I'd say no. Speed, feel, and potentially reduce, uh, reducing injuries as well. Okay, uh, dampens the vibrations more. Okay, so Jamie underscore Clark underscore Golf. Uh, this is for me. Is a driver or a three-wood better off the tee if I hit the same distance and same shape? Um, go three-wood. It's going to be if it's it's probably going to be more consistent. But guess what? If you're hitting your three-wood really well, maybe look at the driver. So the good thing is you've got the three-wood in the bag, which does really well. Go and seek out a better driver than the exactly. three-wood. Exactly. So the driver's not fitted to him properly. Okay. And for you, Pete Donkin underscore. When would you say someone is ready to get blades? Um, when they get on the European tour. Yeah. Done. <laughs> Basically. Uh, look, I think, I'd say it's a tough one because I know some people who will play with blades and they just want to play with blades. You know, whether they're good enough or, or not, it just depends on how much help they want. So if somebody really wants to go and play with blades, they love the look, they love the shape, they just want them, and they're not really bothered if they're going to lose a little bit of... Um, consistency from a strike point and performance, well that's absolutely fine because that's not important to them. If, if what's important to them is having a nice looking set of golf clubs that they feel good with, then that's absolutely fine. But for somebody from a strict performance side of things, then it's very hard because I personally wouldn't want to go for blades at the moment because nope. I know I'd be sacrificing <coughs> performance, I'd be sacrificing, uh, sacrificing forgiveness. Um, Probably a little bit of confidence when I look down at the golf club. I've got a four iron, it's a cold winter's morning. It's like, okay, <laughs> how, how easy is Forget this going to be to find in the middle? So um, from a performance standpoint, you wanna really, you'd want to be playing a lot of golf, a lot of practice and finding that sweet spot consistently. Um, but if it's, if it's just for, for aesthetics and you want to look and feel good on the golf course, then absolutely fine. If, you, if that's what floats your boat, then go and do it. Okay. Nick B8681, Nick Brown. Best way of finding out club distances without Trackman. Great question. Um, the main thing for me would be, or someone's phone's going off in the office, no problem. Mr. Dawson, is it? Thanks, Neil. Um, so we've got a question. The best way to get those yardages on the golf course, uh, sorry, there we go. The best way to get those yardages without Trackman is on the golf course. Just go on the golf course and hit yardages, hit different clubs, and figure it out that way. Um, that's, there's no real secret formula. Just go out there and put a bit of time in on the golf course. Perfect. Right, should we do one more? Yeah, one more. Okay, Harry Waterton, this is for you, uh, for you, Andy. Harry Waterton, I'm six foot six, fast club head speed. Is getting custom fitted clubs imperative? 
Six foot six. What club head speed? Fast. Fast. But he's, he, should he be fitted? Is it imperative Ooh, six for him to be fitted? Six. Mm, okay, let, me, <laughs> let me think. Guess what? Yes. <laughs> That's it, so we're finished. That's it, done. Harry, please go and get fitted. You, at six foot six, you are definitely going to need a yeah, custom fit. Definitely. Whether you, yeah, I think that's it. just a no-brainer. No-brainer. All right, thank you so much, Mr. Proudman. That was good. I think we've been going that. for nearly an hour there. Really enjoyed that. We could have spoke for longer. Hopefully, this is giving you some value. And as we said, if we can get you just to question what clubs you have in your bag, really believe that you can actually uh, improve your golf this year by making sure you have a, I call them a squad, a squad of 14 players, make sure they're all doing a good job. You've best got a bigger squad, you've got 18 players. Bigger squad, yeah. Bigger and guys, squad. let us know what you thought at the start of the podcast, a bit more of a conversational piece between me and Pierce. Um, I think sometimes when we can just have a conversation about things, a lot more things can come out and we can pull a few different things out for you. So let us know. Again, your feedback is important to us, so take a screenshot on your phone and then just tag us in on social. Again, any feedback, any questions, what you'd like to, us to talk about on here, the guests that you'd like to have on here as well, um, we'd love to get that. And also, if you have got time, please head over to iTunes and leave us a review. That would be fantastic. We want to just reach as many golfers as possible. It really helps as we want to just share this message. And I think this is a really good medium for us to get this message out because we can't generally do this in a video form, exactly. can we? Exactly. Guys, thanks for listening. Pierce, thank you. And thank you. We'll see you next time. See you later. Thank you so much for listening to the Me and My Golf podcast. We hope you enjoyed that and got some value from that. And if you did, then please share that episode with a friend. And if you can do us a real big favor and head over to iTunes and leave us a review. It really does help this podcast grow and reach more golfers. And our mission is to help as many golfers around the world as we can play some better golf. So it really would mean a lot to us. One question that we get asked a lot is, Andy Pierce, how can we get coaching from you? Well, now you can have myself and Pierce as your very own personal online golf coach. And we've created a, a platform that infuses our coaching experience and philosophy into a fantastic community that's packed full of weekly videos that will really help transform your golf. We've got coaching plans on specific areas in the game. We have a shot fixer section, which really enables you to fix your faults fast so you can see results immediate on the golf course. And we really want to build a, a tribe of golfers that are committed to playing the best golf of their lives. And like I say now, this is the closest thing that you're going to experience to get me and Pierce on the lesson tee with you. And we'd love to have you part of this fantastic community. So head over to meandmygolf.com and look, have a go. We have a 14-day free trial that you can take advantage of, see what it's like, and if it fits right for you, then fantastic. And we'll hope to see you there. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next time on the Me and My Golf podcast.